I love Easter. I love Easter. Yeah, I used to love it as a kid, but I appreciate it a whole lot more now as an adult. Because now I can buy my own eggs. Know what I mean? When you're a kid, you're at the mercy of your parents' level of generosity or, or their worldview on how much chocolate they think you can handle. But as an adult, you can buy whatever you want. You can buy the good eggs, the big eggs, your favourite eggs. You're only limited by your budget. But even then, you always find a bit of wiggle room to find that one that you want. So I love it. I love it. But look, this morning, um, I just want to start with um, just, a, just a fun little video of some kids trying to explain the Easter story. And, and it's a little bit American, um, but it's really cute. It's um, mostly true. Uh, and it just explains the Easter story. So if you're new to church, uh, maybe you're not really familiar with the Easter story, hopefully this will help explain a little bit and, or either that or it'll totally confuse you. So um, let's watch that, that clip. <laughs> After Jesus died, they put Jesus in a tomb and wrapped him with some white paper. They put a big stone around it and placed guards in front of the tomb to let nobody go in. He was just waiting for the three days. He's probably drinking soda while eating hot Tito's. <laughs> he would probably play games like Candyland and then have a party by himself. The Easter Bunny was hiding behind a tree. <laughs> He probably went out there and there's just throw eggs everywhere. And then he's going to say, there's one money egg, so you better find it. You get some money. <laughs> Three days later, there was a big earthquake. <laughs> I think we should go away somewhere safe. It's like, I'm getting out of here. The earth is shaking. Run for your lives. <laughs> and the guards ran off because they got scared. And then on Sunday, Mary and some of her friends came with some spices. But when they got there, the tomb was empty. His clothes only was there. Then an angel came and said, Don't be afraid. Jesus has risen from the dead. Go tell the go tell everyone go tell the good news. Mary and her friends went and told the disciples she said, Jesus has risen from the dead. Guys, guys, Jesus has risen from the dead. And the disciples didn't believe them. No, that couldn't happen. Jesus can't raise from the dead. Uh, I don't believe it until I see it. But all of a sudden, Jesus, Jesus just came, just was there. I am Jesus. I am the I'm the I am the son of the Lord God. And I am Jesus, your friend. And then the disciples said, Jesus, it's you! Yay! Jesus is alive! Totes cool. Jesus, before he left to heaven, he said, I have done what I have come to done. Do. And then he risen, then he was going up to heaven. 
His disciples were crowded around him. The disciples said, holy guacamole. I can't believe Jesus really flew. That's awesome. Now what? Let's go tell the news. Uh, I love that statement at the end. Now what? Let's go tell the news. And you know, it's the same for you and I today. Now what? We're celebrating Resurrection Sunday, but now what? Now we've got to go and tell the news. And what's, what's the news? The news is the good news that Jesus has come to done what he come to done. And what did Jesus come to done? According to Romans 10, verse 9 to 13, it said, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all. And, all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who lives a perfect life, who prays the right way, and who memorises Bible verses will be saved. There it says, no. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've thought, where you've been. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is good news. That is good news for all people. And although Easter eggs is one large reason why I love Easter, another big reason why I love Easter is because it's one of the two times of the year when our whole nation is talking about Jesus. Christmas is the other one in case you're wondering. But Easter is one of those times in the year when the whole nation is talking about Jesus and, uh, and the Easter message. And, and I, I think about the timing of this. I think about the, the whole controversy around the Israel Folau uh, tweets about, about sin and about God and God's view on sin and people. And then I think the perfect timing. Within two weeks of the whole nation talking about God and about sin and his view on it all, we have Easter that declares the whole truth, the real truth about how God really feels about people. And that is he is willing to sacrifice everything to have them in his world. That's the truth. And I love that about Easter. Like Luke 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that, was, that which was lost. To save ourselves from destruction. To save ourselves from decisions that, that we can sometimes make that take our life down a difficult path. Jesus came into our world. He entered our world to save us from ourselves. And a simple illustration to try and, uh, try and describe this point is when I was about six years old, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to go swimming in his swimming pool. Some of you have heard this story before, but it's a good one. <laughs> and a friend of mine, I was in grade one, 
And he asked me to come back to his house for a swim. And, you know, back in the early 80s, anyone who had a swimming pool was pretty cool. So I was like, yeah, I wanna, you want to be friends with that kind of a kid. So I said, yeah, yeah, look, I'd love to go for a swim at your house. And so went to his house and uh, his mum said, oh, do you know how to swim? Because I've got these big yellow floaties. Remember those big yellow blow-up floaties that put on your arms? She said, I've got these floaties if you want them. And I said, no, no, it's all right. I know how to swim. Because I'd had two lessons by that point. So in my mind, I thought, oh, yeah, I know how to swim. And so anyways, my friend, he jumped in the pool and he's swimming around. And, and I ran and I jumped into the pool as well. And as I was in the air, I had one of those moments. I had one of those thoughts of, you idiot, you can't swim. And so I hit the water and I just, I started going frantic, just kicking and thrashing and, and I reckon I held myself up for about 15 seconds. It felt like an eternity, but it was probably about 15 seconds, I reckon, of just frantically just going for it. And then I just ran out of energy, ran out of breath, and I just sunk to the bottom of that pool. Luckily, my friend's big brother was watching. He saw what had happened. So he came running over and he dived in the pool fully clothed and, and he pulled me out and he sat me on the edge of the pool and I was coughing and crying and bawling my eyes out. And needless to say, I spent the rest of the day in the shallow end of the pool with these big yellow floaties on my arms. But the point of my story was, was in that moment, I was in a situation, I found myself in a place that was totally beyond my own ability to save myself. I didn't have the skill set. I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the understanding. I was in a place where, where I was totally vulnerable and I could not save myself. I literally needed someone else to enter into that situation and come along beside me and pick me up and take me to a safe place. And that's a perfect picture of what Jesus does with us with our sin. See, my friend's big brother, he didn't stand on the side of the pool saying, well, you got yourself into it, you get yourself out of it. He didn't stand there judging me or condemning me, telling me what I should have done or what I shouldn't have done. He didn't even stand on the side of the pool just trying to make some kind of a deal with me. If I get you out of here, out of this situation, will you do this for me? Will you do that for me? He was totally concerned with my safety and welfare. And it's exactly the same with Jesus Christ. He doesn't sit there doing deals with your salvation. Well, if you, if you follow me, then I'll do this for you or, or you better do that for me. And, and this some kind of a deal. No, he is totally consumed with, I want to get you out of that situation. I want to come alongside you. I want to enter into your world come alongside of you and lift you up to a better place. That's the good news of Jesus. That's what he wants to do with you and I. And that's the good news of the Easter message. Is that Jesus entered into our world. He had everything he could ever want. He was in heaven with God on the throne, but he chose to leave all of that to enter into our world our situation to come alongside us 
and lift us into a better place. And so this morning, I just want to talk about three reasons why Jesus came to earth and what he achieved on the cross. Because honestly, I actually struggled a little bit because I thought there is so much that Jesus achieved. Our whole Christian worldview was built upon what Jesus achieved on that cross. How can you put it into one Sunday? How can you bring it all together into one message? And well, the truth is you can't. So I'm just going to point out three things that Jesus achieved uh, on the cross that is still changing our life today and has the potential to change yours as well. The first thing that happened on that, that first Easter, which we mentioned in our Passover observance on Thursday night, is that Jesus made a way to God. Jesus made a way for us to enter into the presence of God. Matthew 27, verse 50, 51. This is uh, while Jesus was on the cross at the, at the last moment. It says, then Jesus shouted out again, And he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook violently, rocks were split apart and the graves were open. I love that, that what happened on that day. The curtain was ripped in two. And you might think, well, what's the significance of that? Maybe it was just a really old curtain. Maybe it was a bit mouldy. Maybe it was pretty old. It's been around for a while. People would have been afraid to change that curtain because they were afraid of what was behind there. But the significance of that curtain being torn is that represented that the way to God's presence had now been open to everybody. See, until that point, they believed that the presence of God dwelled in behind that curtain, a place called the Holy of Holies. And the only people that were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, into God's presence, were the high priests. And the high priests, even they were only allowed to go in there once a year. And in that once a year, that was only after all kinds of ceremonial washings and and sacrifices and and all kinds of religious acts to to somehow appease God of the sin that the people had, had, uh, had done, did. But then that curtain was torn in two. Actually, in Leviticus, it even says that that not only did they have to do ceremonial washing and and do all this kind of religious stuff, but, but in Leviticus 16, it even says that they had to walk in sideways and walk out backwards. Imagine that. Imagine coming to church where you have to walk in sideways and walk out backwards. It's just strange. It's, in our mindset, it's, it's so unusual to think that that's what was required to get into the presence of God. But for them and their understanding, that's what it took. So for the most part, most people, everyone except the high priest at the time, the presence of God was something that they were standing on the outside looking in. It was unattainable for them. It was something that was set aside for the holier than thou kind of people. And the truth is, is that I believe that quite often that mentality is still in a lot of us today, even many Christians. 
They, they might mentally think they can go into the presence of God, but, but spiritually they're like, well, I don't really know. I want to go into the presence of God, but am I good enough? Have I, have I done enough stuff? So, so we end up with this mentality of the presence of God being performance-based. Yeah. We think things like, well, I've had a great week this week. I've journaled heaps. I've had a, I've had a lot of prayer time. I've, I've been doing really well. So God would be pleased with me. So I can feel like I can go into his presence right now. I feel like I'm in a good place and I can enter God's presence. Or we think things like, well, I had an opportunity to share with some, about Jesus with some people this week and I, I didn't do it. I was afraid. Maybe, maybe God's angry with me, so I need to wait a little while or I need to make up a few things before I can really feel like I can enter into God's presence again. But the significance of that curtain being torn in two That is that you and I, every one of us, we have access to the presence of God, the glory of God. We can come boldly into his throne room, not because of our works, not because of we we live some kind of a perfect lifestyle, but because of everything that Jesus achieved on that cross. He was the one that tore the curtain. He was the one that said, now you may come in through me. You can enter the presence of God. And I want to encourage you with that this morning, church. Never let your feelings get in the way of you entering into God's presence. The other thing that it did was it opened up the presence of God because they believed that only certain, not only were certain people allowed to be behind the curtain, but that's where the presence of God dwell was behind the curtain. And when that was torn, it opened up the way to believe and know that the presence of God is now not limited to a place. The presence of God is everywhere and dwells within you and dwells within me. So we no longer have to try and find our way into this place in this presence of God. And where is it? Maybe it's in this church. Maybe it's in that church. Maybe it's under, if I sit under this teaching, maybe if I get under that ministry, I'll, I'll find the presence of God. No, the presence of God is within you at all times. You just need to learn to access it. You just need to know that it's there and approach God with confidence and boldness, thanking him for all that he's done. Because not only was that presence opened up, when Jesus laid down his life on the cross, he covered all of our sin, all those things that held the people out from the presence of God. That's why they had to do all the sacrifices and all that kind of stuff, because of their uncleanness, their unholiness, all the the sin that that they had done, that, that's what kept them separated. When Jesus died on the cross, all those sin that you and I have, a, have done ourselves, that's been covered. That's no longer a barrier between God's presence and us. We can approach Him with boldness and confidence. And all we got to do is believe. All we got to do is ask for forgiveness and believe that God will cover that. It's, it's a challenge. It seems so simple, yet at times can be so difficult. Because you and I, we, we, we live in a world that 
when you make a mistake, you've got to try and make up for it somehow or you've got to try and fix it somehow rather than just asking forgiveness. I learned this lesson uh, a few years ago when uh, Nerid and I were on a flight. We were coming from Singapore back to Australia and Joshua was a little boy. He, he was only about nine months old or a year old, something like that. I, I can't quite remember it now, but he was, he was about a year, about 12 months. He was still sleeping in a, in a uh, little crib, little cot. And so we had a nighttime flight coming back on Singapore Airlines and so we had the seats where the, the little cot things were on the side of the wall. You can put the babies in there. And, and anyways, we, 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 it was night time. So we were trying to get Joshua asleep. And uh, we were only about an hour into an eight hour flight. And he was all restless and stuff. And so we put him on the floor to try and get him asleep on the floor. And, and he's all still all restless and mucking around. And, and so I thought I would help Nera to try and settle Joshua. And two minutes before I'd made that decision, I'd got myself a cup of Sprite from the hostess. Full cup of Sprite, full of ice. Thought this would be good. And at that moment when I leant down to help Nerida with Joshua, I still to this day, I do not know why I did it or the physical reaction of what I did, but I leant down with a cup of Sprite in my hand like this. And I tipped a full cup of Sprite with ice into the lap of the man sitting beside me. <laughs> One hour into a seven hour flight, an eight hour flight. And I looked at him. And I had no words. I just said, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. There's nothing I could do to fix that mistake. I wasn't going to get a towel and try and mop it up. I wasn't going to try and pick the ice cubes up. There was nothing I could do to make up for that mistake except say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm making myself vulnerable right now. And it's exactly the same with you and I with Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do to make up for the mistakes we've made, for the sin that we've been involved in. All we can do is just humbly say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I trust and believe in your goodness that you will forgive me. That's all we can do. And when we receive that forgiveness by faith, that's when we can have the most amazing relationship with God. So that's the first thing that happened on that, that Easter Sunday was that Jesus made a way into the presence of God and released the presence of God for us. The second thing that happened was that after his resurrection, Jesus revealed himself to people personally. Immediately after the women had encountered uh, the angel of the tomb, Matthew 28, 8 to 10, it says that the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. Who's ever had one of those experiences where you're packing it and laughing at it all at the same time? It's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. But, oh, it's exciting. 
And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, for they will see me there. They will see me there. I want to encourage you, church. God is not a distant God. He's closer than we realise. He's closer than you realise. It's easy to think that God is somewhere on the, uh, out there somewhere in heaven, wherever. But I want to encourage you, He's closer than you realise. And He wants you to see Him and meet with Him on a personal level. Jesus even went as far in John 15 to say that I will no longer call you my servants because a servant doesn't know a master's business. Instead, I will call you friends. With that word friends, it literally means one joined to another in intimacy and affection. One who is on the same side. In other words, someone who's on the same team. Someone who's for you. Come on. <coughs> Excuse me. A little, uh, little voice cracking thing happening there. Oh, it's happening again. Teenage years. But it's literally one who is for you and not against you on the same team. And I want to encourage you with that this morning, church. God is for you and not against you. He's on your team. He's on your side. See, I think there's still many of us struggle in our relationship with God because we're still trying to get a handle on who is God? What's He like? How do I I get a grasp on Him? How do I I understand God? What's His heart towards me? How does He think about me? How, How does He feel about me when I'm sick? How does He feel about me? When I'm burdened, how does he think towards me when I've done something wrong or, or made decisions that are, that are taken my life in the wrong direction? And I want to encourage you, if you want to know how God views you, God's value upon you, what he thinks about you, his, how he wants to relate to you and how he wants you to relate to him, just look at Jesus. Just Look at Jesus because Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his power and his word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So if you ever want to know what God thinks about you, how God feels towards you. When you're in a, a difficult situation, when, when you've made mistakes, when you are in a tough place, if you ever want to know how God feels about you in that moment, have a read of the Gospels. Look at how Jesus treated people with compassion, with dignity, with value, healing them, setting them free, causing them to live a, a better life, setting them free of the situations they're in, non-judgmental, just purely a heart of love towards the people because Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. So if you uh, ever want to know 
what God thinks about you. Just think of Jesus and you'll know exactly how he thinks. And that's good news this morning, church. That is good news because he has got a great plan and a great purpose for our lives. And it, we can get a handle on Jesus. We, we, our imagination, we can, we can get a handle on that because we've seen the movies, we've, we, we've we can read the Bible and we can get a picture in our mind of this Jesus walking the earth and relating to people and loving people and being good, being kind, being a leader, helping people. I want to encourage you, that is the exact representation of God. God the Father is not different to God the Son or God the Holy Spirit. They're one being represented three different ways. And God the Father, is the, Jesus is the exact representation of him. And the last thing I want to mention about three things that happened on that first Easter that can still change our lives today. The first one is that there's been a way opened up to God that we can enter into his presence. The second thing is that he wants to connect with us on a personal level. And the third thing is that Jesus gave clear instruction and purpose for life. And I love this because not only did Jesus come and open up the way to God, Not only did he want to meet with us personally and have this great relationship with us, but he also wanted to bring leadership and instruction and direction and vision to people's lives. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he departed from this earth was an instruction. It was a, it was a leadership thing. It was a vision thing. It was a purpose thing. It was a, well, you want to, want to know what to do now with life? You want to want, know what to do now with these experiences that you've had? Go and make disciples. Tell other people all about it. Teach them everything that I've taught you. And I'll be with you always. And this is where a lot of, I believe a lot of Christians come unstuck. Because... We're always chasing these experiences with God. We're always chasing these feelings with God. We're always, we're always looking for those first two, the, the way to God to be opened up and, and to meet Jesus personally. But then we get stalled because we're like, well, I've had that. What's next? I want another one. I want another experience. But Jesus is saying, no, no, I want you to take everything that you've experienced and I want to put a vision and a purpose and a direction behind that, which is to make disciples of all nations. Tell other people everything you know about me. Then I will be with you always. You won't be looking for me in a presence of You won't be chasing an experience with me because I will be with you always when you choose to do that. Not only does he make his presence available to everyone. Can I have the uh, keyboard up, thanks? We're going to finish a little bit early. Get home to our eggs. But not only does he make his presence available to every single person, not only does he want to meet on a personal level with each and every one of us, but he's also wanting to fill our lives with vision and direction and purpose. Maybe you're feeling a little bit confused right now. Maybe you, you, you've hit some crossroads in life where you're like, what's, what's my purpose? What am I here for? What, 
God, what is this all about? I want to encourage you. It's all about making disciples. It's all about sharing the good news with others. It's all about bringing other people into this, an ama- this amazing experience that you've had yourself. And when we choose to do that, it'll bring joy to our life, peace to our heart, purpose to our every day, and it will release the presence of God in our lives. Amen. I want to pray for us this morning. Father, I want to thank you for what you achieved through Jesus on that first Easter. God, I want to thank you that you showed us your heart towards us, your love towards us. You showed us that there is no length that you won't go to to redeem us, to bring us back into relationship with you. Father, I pray for those here this morning who who felt like they've been living under that performance mentality, trying to somehow prove themselves worthy of You, trying to somehow make up for past mistakes, trying to somehow cover up mistakes from cover up of mistakes. Jesus, I pray for freedom to come to those people this morning. I pray for peace to come to those hearts to know that all they need to do is just ask forgiveness humbly and choose to receive that forgiveness by faith and move into the great plan and the great purpose you have for them. Father, I pray that you set people free all across this place this morning. And Father, I pray for those of us, Lord, who who might have had all these great experiences with you and are just chasing more, chasing more, looking for more. Father, I pray that we just take what we've been given and we freely give it away. Lord, I pray for a a sense of, of urgency within our hearts to make disciples, to share with others what you've done in our heart and our lives. And I thank you that through that, we will continuously experience your goodness that you are with us always. And just while every eye's closed, maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're invited by a family member. Maybe you're invited by a friend. Maybe you don't know how you ended up here today. But as I've been speaking, something inside of you has been speaking to you with that thought of, well, if that's what God is really like, I want to know that kind of a God. I've got some stuff happening in my life where I need God's help. I feel like I'm up to my ears and I'm drowning in some stuff right now. That I need someone to enter into my world, to come alongside of me, to lift me up into a safe place. If that's you this morning, you want that freedom. You know it's time for that freedom. I want to ask you just to slip your hand up right now and we'll include you in a prayer where you too can have all your sin forgiven. Begin a relationship with God and have that sense of purpose in your life. Who's that this morning? Who's that this morning? You know it's time. It's time. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Who else this morning? You know, it's time for Jesus to enter into your world.
to come alongside of you and to lift you up. Who else this morning? Who else? Yeah, that's brilliant. Church, I want, to, I want you to lift your eyes. We're going we're gonna to pray this prayer together. And as we do, I want you to be believing that this is making a way to make your life right with God. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to hand it over to Robbo and he's going to tell you a little bit more about how your journey can begin.